Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. to the edge people pushed to the limit and no one's got the guts to stop them it's collection time charlie three murders yeah. four rapes nine acts of random violence this isn't a neighborhood it's a war in a world gone mad there is only one law his charles bronson death wish three back in New York, bringing justice to the streets. Charles Bronson, Death Wish 3. Hello and welcome to Smirsh Pod 3, the podcast that relights the fire of 80s action movies and celebrates the decade where the explosion was king. You remember that? <laughs> uh, this week we'll be just... Is <laughs> that an IRA thing? <laughs> It could well be. Yeah, I'll leave that in. Uh, this week we'll be visiting an old war buddy, getting people murdered, murdering people, and buying weapons via the post that also murder people. Uh, yep, we're talking about Death Wish 3, and joining me to stamp on some roaches is comedian Steve Hall, who can be found on Twitter as at St- a Steve Hall. Hello. Hello. Uh, I'm angry. You're angry. <laughs> having to talk about this film. Well, we should explain because when we did this before, yeah, we sort of mutually agreed. We did Deathline before yeah. in the previous series, and we agreed that that was just a thing that we had come up conversationally is a good thing to talk about. Mm. Whereas with these, you gave me a list yeah. of possibles, yeah. and I thought rather than going for like a classic that I, that I that, so I I turned down the Terminator. You did in favour of did. talking about Death Wish Three. Imagine, imagine if last night we could have watched the Terminator. <laughs> what a nice evening that would have been. Because it's I, so, it, it's an interesting bit of social history. I, so I didn't. My family. I'm, I was born in 1976. My family didn't get a, a video player until 1988. Wow! So we were very late. The first film we ever rented was Inner Space. Right. Good. Uh, 
And so some of the pre, some of the early 80s and uh, sort of 1985 type films, I think this is 85. Yes, it is, yeah. Um, uh, they still have this kind of mythic, like, naughtiness to me. Mm. Things, And I was raised a good Catholic boy. So there, there are things that I wasn't... So, so even I, I'd, I've never owned Thriller, the album. Right. And obviously, I mean, it turns out my mum was right on that one. Yeah, she but, was. She knew. Some of these films have this kind of cachet of like, oh my God, it's so naughty. But did you go on tour with Michael Jackson when you were a small boy? No, no. I, thankfully, I was a very ugly child. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he got fussy in the end, did he? <laughs> I, I don't know. That's <laughs> that's the ultimate slam. Not only are they victims, they're pigs as well. <laughs> well, we're off to a good start. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, so I so Death Wish was one of these ultimate ones of like you know the video nasty culture. I don't think this was. I don't think the original Death Wish were they. I don't think they were in the Death. Not really. No, but this got a lot of flack at the time for the violence. Yeah, and, and so I, so I'd never see. I'd never seen the first two, and then knowing that I was doing this, I thought I'll. Well, the first two are kind of... Well, the first one especially is like a hard-nosed revenge thriller. Yeah, yeah. Second one's a bit silly. And this is a cartoon. Yeah. It might as well be an animated cartoon called Death Wish and the Heroes. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's because the first one... I mean, they're all terrible films. Yeah. But the the first one is, you know... I. You can understand why there's some interest created by. Where Death Wish Two is one of the most horrible films. Awful. Utterly mean spirited. Yeah. Um. Where, yeah, and then this is, uh, risible. Yeah, because the first one, his wife's murdered. Second one, his daughter's raped, then thrown and jumps out of a window and lands on some railings. Yeah, well, she's, well, she's raped in the first one. Oh, you're right. And, yeah. and then and then goes into a sort of catatonic state. Mm. Then in the second one, she's still in the catatonic state, and then she gets raped again. So she's very much the little mo. <laughs> Uh, of the Death Wish series, and then she escapes her. She escapes the attackers by jumping onto some railings and dying. And dying. And which is, I don't even remember the rest of the film. I just remember that it relocates to Los Angeles. Yeah, that's all I remember about it. Yeah, it's, and I keep thinking that's the one with Jeff Goldblum, but he's in the first one. He's in the first one. Lawrence Fishburne ah. is, in, is in the second one. I knew there was someone significant apart from Charles yeah. Bronson. Well, there's and the only good person in both those films is Vincent Gardinia. Yes, who is uh, who's great, and then is killed very boringly and cheaply in the second one. Yeah, you've seen the second one a lot more than I have. I, I just I'd never it. seen it. I just watched it the other day. Did in, you in preparation for this? That's a lot of research. Yeah. Well, I nearly didn't watch it because in the the we're going to, well, obviously we'll talk about this a bit more. But the the mm. Canon Films documentary they yes. they mention how nasty Death Wish Two is, mm. and it is like the the lingering. Uh, they, they really linger on the rape scenes, and it, it, they do. It, so, so they'd always, they always sort of their excuse was always, "It's not exploitation. This happens in society." And you go, "But it is exploitation, yeah. without beyond any doubt." And by, by the time you get to the third one, um, Paul was he called Paul Kersey? Yeah, yeah. He's he's become like I like to think of him as Jeff Deathwish. I like. Should we call him Jeff Deathwish? Jeff Deathwish. No. Yeah, let's do that because um, he's like unlucky Al from the Fast Show, but with death <laughs> everywhere he goes, someone gets raped or murdered. And he has he has that kind of he looks like a far show character that he's he does. I think Bronson's sixty four by the time he makes this film yes he is uh, and he did two more <laughs> and Amazing. he really look he it looks like they've had to ADR everything to sort of stop him going kind of go oh, oh. <laughs> he doesn't I mean, say he, a lot in this either yeah he's, he's a, only got about fifteen lines he it is odd it's a tranquilized hmm. performance and he he sort of looks he spends most of the film looking like Peter Wingard crossed with Mr. Potato Head. That's a sort of... That's the physical... I was trying to work out what he looked like. Yeah. He looks like Lech Valencia's stunt double. 
Like if you were to say, like if you saw a picture of him in this film and said, "Is this man an action hero or is he striking at Orgreave?" You you would choose the latter, I think. But um, oh dear, yeah, yeah, I would. He's in good shape though. Yeah, well, that's the thing. There's one. There's a few Ooh. shots of him. Well, he's obviously. Like it's a fascinating career that mm. Bronson's had, and I didn't, I didn't know that. Apparently, he auditioned for Superman. This is according to Wikipedia. Oh my god! So this could be a Wikipedia style. Someone's had a little bit of fun with the editing, <laughs> but he would have been in his fifties. Yeah, but supposedly he was turned down in favour of Christopher Reeve. Peter Pan flew with children, Lewis, <laughs> in a fairy tale. That would have been awful. Suddenly, Superman just much more fixated on revenge. <laughs> uh, did you notice in the credits, uh, Michael Winners had a bit of fun here? It says it's edited by Arnold, Arnold Crust, Crust, yeah, which is him. It's just a shit name. It's got to be him. Yeah, and it's, it's yeah, it's an odd like I'd love to. I'd, I've because again, it's in the the winner trivia, but I, I don't know the background to. Is that he's got to earn a crust? Is oh, it something as cheesy probably, as that? Isn't it? Yeah. Um, it, but it's odd because obviously, if it, when a film is this bad and edited this badly, you would want to assume it. You would, wouldn't you? It is edited really badly, and there's some really, really weird shot choices in this film. Yeah, like yeah. When he's talking to that chief of police guy, the camera's on the floor looking up at him, so it looks like there's a gun ornament on his desk that looks like his penis. <laughs> and then the next shot, it's shot through his arm. Yeah, yeah. He's got his arm cocked on his waist. It's shot through his arm. Yeah. It looks so weird. There's another... There's, when he's in the the, 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 the public defender's uh, apartment just before they bang, mm -hmm. uh, there's some shots like, yeah, they haven't... They have not thought, like, maybe we could just move these ornaments out of the way. They're yeah. not essential to the shot. They've sort of filmed it through the ornament. Yeah. I'm so gonna... it's like, well, she's beautiful, they've got a chemistry, and she loves bric-a-brac. Not the TV series with <laughs> Brian Kent. Although she might have done. This was it's... filmed in London, after all. Yeah, well, it's it's odd because there's bits in New York, isn't there? And then yeah. and then there's bits that are so obviously East London. Yeah, like the police station is a, a hospital in Finchley. Yeah, I keep expecting to see Rowley from EastEnders. Past, <laughs> uh, but we begin with Paul going to New York. Yes, and to so visit his friend Charlie. And because you, you, it starts, and the the opening, you, you know, you're in for a bad time because it's the shot of the coach, hmm. and the camera is wobbling. Yeah. It's obviously quite a blustery day. It's obviously shot on some turnpike, but you can see the camera moving. Mm -hmm. You can see, and they haven't done anything about it. No. And the music's awful. The as music well. is terrible. And yeah. then it's weird because you hear the music and it sounds. It sounds like a off cuts from a porn film. Yes, uh, and and then and then it flashes up music by Jimmy Page. Except it's not, is it? Yeah, because they've used leftovers. Is the bits that go wow, ping pong, those bits. That's Jimmy Page from Death Wish Two, but right. they used it again in yeah, this yeah, film. Yeah. He didn't do any of the, any other bits yeah. of music. Because and I because I, I initially when I first saw his name, I I. In me, I was so angry at the film that I immediately wanted Robbie Williams to get his planning permission. <laughs> And, he did in the end, didn't he? I think so. I, well, I hope. You know, I still want it to cause as much damage to he Jimmy Page's house. He wanted to put glory holes everywhere, didn't he? <laughs> I remember rightly. Is that right? Let's say it is. Let's say that's what he wanted to do. Jimmy Page objected because he'd be there eating his beans on toast, <laughs> and suddenly a penis would come through the wall, and he'd feel obliged. <laughs> the, old, the old rock and roll instincts would Ex kick in. Exactly, a mud shark. <laughs> um, yeah, so he's coming to New York to see his buddy Charlie now. Charlie. Oh, when we see Charlie for the first time, he's sat in his chair. It looks like he's looking at pornography. It does. It really does. 
it's um, and it's you know it's a lonely life for the older man. He, he, is. Could, he could do what he wants. He served in Korea. <laughs> <laughs> I, I applaud him. Unfortunately, though, his 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 masturbation is interrupted by some what they call in this film. It's either creeps or punks. Yeah. So some creeps. Because this this whole film, in fact, the whole series feels like a Fox News, yeah, opinion piece. Mm. Where and it's kind of in that mythology of like, remember when we were kids, there was always it felt like lots of schools had the rumours that skinheads were going to come and attack the school. Yeah, that that was a, a fear lots of seven year olds seem to have. And this this whole film is based on that. So that yeah, they're given phrases like creeps, and mm. we this there are echoes of Trump. In this, the way Trump talks about the menace coming from the border, this is this same fear. Also, um, no black people live in his apartment block. Yeah, yeah. So it's definitely an echo of Trump. He wouldn't be allowed <laughs> in. Yeah, it's his dad, Fred Trump's planning. Uh, Fred Trump was a weird-looking man, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Donald's weird enough, but Fred Trump genuinely looked like a waxwork of a serial yeah, killer. Yeah. Well, it's like, fascinating that, you know, like Woody Guthrie wrote a a piece about how much he hated... I think he wrote a song about how much he hated Fred Trump. So yeah. this, they echo into history as a family of ours. They do. We should stop them. <laughs> we should go back in time and stop them from happening. <laughs> but that'll come into play later. Yeah. Anyway... Because um, the creeps, This is the way they're presented, they've got this weird face paint thing yeah. that looks like the Amnesty International candle. Uh, and it's it, it's exactly someone like Michael Winner's idea of what a creep would look like, yes. where it is so accidentally camped. They look like they're in a village people. And it looks shoot. like they've all been cast from performing arts. Yeah. Because there's one in particular later on who gets thumped, the the black guy with the dreadlocks. Yes, and When yeah, he yeah. falls to the floor, he does it in a kind of ballet style, yeah. where he flings his body up. And, and he's down. the one. He's got. He's in a sort of crop top. Crop top. And he, yeah. yeah, he looks fabulous. Yeah. But it, it is the most kind of like you're on twenty dollars a day. Do do your acting. He's also the one that says "What the fuck, man?" <laughs> to that old woman. What the fuck? <laughs> I liked him. Because in this one, when they attack Charlie, hmm. there's the phrase "Give me the money, homeboy." <laughs> and again, it's it's a, a seemingly ninety year old man's idea of the way young miscreants would speak mm. yeah well also policemen because the police chief later on says the word dude at the end of every <laughs> sentence <yeah. laughs> but everybody in this block of flats hears charlie being beaten and they're so ashamed because they don't do anything they're too scared yeah apart from one who calls the police yeah i mean that's an accurate capturing of if they were filming in east london that is exactly what would happen in east london except yeah. they wouldn't be scared they just wouldn't care yeah that's true yeah but, um and this is because there's bit, and this is where the sound. Yeah, these are the bit, the non-Jimmy Page bits of the soundtrack. Because it's, I think it's meant to be atmospheric, and it sounds like someone has eaten a pizza and put a microphone to their stomach as they digest it. <laughs> you get that later on as well with that kind of one that goes. And this is the book. So not knowing about this one, I watched this one before I watched the others, yeah. and this was the point where I was like, going, "I have chosen." But I think I even sent you a message going, "Is it yeah. too late to change my mind?" You did, and I said, "No, it isn't." Yeah. But you said you were going to stick with it, I, I, and that speaks a lot about you. That's the Catholic upbringing. <laughs> that's self-flagellation. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, Bronson arrives just in time for the creeps and punks to run away. And there's and a nice bit where he's given his he's given the cabbie twenty dollars to get oh. out of a traffic jam. Yes, and, and he's he literally mounts the pavement and then joins another traffic jam. That's right. That's twenty dollars worth. If he'd <laughs> given him forty, he'd probably gone a bit further. <laughs> but he gets there, and Charlie is 
lying on the floor covered in blood. I mean, at first, it's when when Bronson comes into the house, or when Jeff Deathwish comes in, <laughs> there's moaning, and, uh, and I'm wondering, you know, he might have been thinking, knowing Charlie, he's probably still masturbating. <laughs> no, he isn't. He's lying on the floor. He's dying. And it's, it begins to look at... It, it could just be an advert for life insurance at that it, point. It, it could... Michael Parkinson or Peter Purvis could step out. And you get this free pen, <laughs> yeah. uh, which was jabbed into his anus, sadly. <laughs> Uh, but Charlie's I, last words are, look after my stuff yeah, until yeah. I get back. Charlie? Hey, Charlie. Jeez, Charlie, what happened? Pop, take care of my things, will you? Till I get back. You're a dead asshole. He said, yeah, take care of my things, which given that he might be a pervert, it could be like, like Bronson's worried. It just opens. It's just butt plugs. Um, yeah, but it's butt plugs and Nazi memorabilia. Oh, <laughs> no, Charlie. Um, but yeah, the police burst in at this point because Bronson's drawn his weapon, <laughs> his gun, and the police think he's done it. Yeah, and this is the first, this, there are so many cliches in this film. And mm. the, this is one of the problems with the whole series, mm. is that there are so many things. This is, it, it, it's a mess of d- derivation from other films. So the creeps, it's like they've obviously watched a bit of Mad Max in the way they yeah. behave. And even like in the first one, the Vincent Gardini character in the first two films, I think is very similar to uh, taking a Pelham 1, 2, 3, that he's constantly got a cold. And yeah. Martin Balsam, who obviously crops up in this in this film, uh, that you know him sneezing is a, a big part uh, of Pelham. Sure uh, and, he, and in fact, uh, it, someone says to Vincent Gardiner in Death Wish too. They say Gesundheit, and I wonder if that's a tacit acknowledgement. It's just Michael Winner ripping things off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the, this is the ultimate. This is like North by Northwest. The mm. uh, the police arrive just as he's. Uh, it's true because you wouldn't like when it's it's obviously you know. He's been violently assaulted by several people. Mm. You're going to go, well, this this old caretaker, this bloke who looks like a character from Guess Who, <laughs> he, it's definitely him. Yeah. Uh, um, and it's because it's one of the themes of Death Wishes. And again, that very Fox News type thing of the police are incompetent. Mm. But they're not even, this is so lazily done. Like I've seen, there are episodes of The Bill that have put more work in. This is probably shot near where they filmed the yeah, film. Yeah. Um, but he's taken to the police station and beaten up immediately, which I think this is quite funny. Yeah. He literally is sat in a chair and then starts yeah, yeah. punching him. One, one of the people who beats him up is Captain Hollister from Red Dwarf. Yes. Uh, which, um, I, I mean, should have really affected his application to become captain. <laughs> there are a lot of American actors who were living in England at the time yeah, in yeah. this. Like Frost from Aliens is one of the groups. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the uh, manager from Top Secret who dies via the anal intruder is the baddie's lawyer. Yeah, there's, and there's lots of people who you find yourself pausing, sort of going like, I know him from somewhere, but with this one, you hate it so much you don't bother to find out. Exactly, yeah, yeah. But anyway, he's taken to prison, uh, he's taken to the police station, and uh, Ed Lauter, who used to he used to play cops all the time, yeah, yeah, he comes and he's the chief. And he's a bit too on the nose for me because every time he walks in, a cockroach will appear. Yeah. And he has a line where he steps on and goes, cockroaches, I hate them. Son of a bitch. I'll be a son of a bitch. Snap, Kimball. I know you. Kersey. It's 
Paul Kersey. You see, I was with the New York PD the night they brought a vigilante in with a bullet in his leg. You were out like a light. It's been 10 years. Mr. Vigilante. Last damn thing I need is a vigilante. Dude, you're in big trouble. What were you doing up in that area, East New York and Belmont? I was visiting a friend. Well, maybe you did. Probably not. I found him that way. And I'm no more Mr. Vigilante. Well, what do I do with you, dude? I don't know, but I want a lawyer. No, you don't. Yeah, they've they've really done one draft of this film. They definitely kind of gone, this have. Is, and they've obviously at the time going, oh, this is so I, I, well done, me. <laughs> the cockroach. Because there's, there's a bit later on where they, they focus on, it's like someone's house, and it, there's a picture of, it's a painting of the American cavalry, mm. and then some music goes... Again, they've high-fived each other going, oh, we're so subtle. There's a wonderful, I found some great footage of this being filmed. And every time you see Winner directing anything, he's got this massive cigar in his mouth. <laughs> he looks ridiculous. Can you yeah. imagine the atmosphere on this set? Well, because he's another one. So by osmosis, like my when I was born, I ne- he, he was always shit. Yeah, in, I, I don't know if it, I don't know if any of his films are deemed worthy of attention. That that by cultural osmosis, he was just representative of just that utter conveyor belt of bollocks, where. The cynicism. So I remember, is it Dirty Weekend? I yes. That was just as I was beginning to get into films. And I've never seen that, but it just... I remember it got a, quite a bit of press coverage at the time. And Parting Shots. Where yes. Chris Rear plays a man who's got cancer and decides to kill everyone he doesn't like. Bloody Nora. Because you did bull, You did I a did live... Bullseye. Bullseye. You did a live screening of Bullseye. I, I did. did. I hadn't realised that that was Winner as well. Yeah. Did you go to the Bullseye? No, no, I no. think I was working that night, unfortunately. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Anyway, it's, it's, it's there to download if you wish. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, the, the chief talks to him and says, um, I think he's saying his name's Kinsey or something. Well, yeah, because well, he's pretended to be Kimball. Kimball, there you go. Um, and I was wondering, is, was that a, is that a fugitive nod? Oh, it could be, couldn't it? I was thinking of, because I'm such a cultural vampire, I love culture so much. All I could think of was kindergarten cop. <laughs> I'm Detective John Kimball. I'm here to ask you some questions. But, yeah, it's probably the fugitive... Yeah, you're right. Um, Doctor but, but, but he remembers him. Ed Lauter remembers him. Yeah, he says, I was working in New York at the time. Uh, he said, I've got, f- I've got your file. Yeah. So he's like a groupie. He remembers him from a bullet in a leg. That's so, right. so it's amazing if you remember every shooting that happened in New York over a 10-year oh, yeah. period. You'd have hell of a memory, wouldn't you? <laughs> you? You'd have to go on the sort of generation game. Yeah, you could show that on You Bet. Thank you, yeah. Want to put a bet on it? <laughs> you Bet. See, I'm glad you remember that. That was the thing Bruce Forsyth brought to that programme, was um, catchphrases. Yeah. Yeah, well, don't fret, get set. Are you ready? You bet. There you go. And then Matthew and Kelly came in and they all went. Yeah. yeah. And unfortunately, a young Paul Merson watched it and became a gambling addict. Is that right? No. Oh. <laughs> I'd like, like to suggest that Paul Merson's problems are entirely <laughs> Bruce Forsyth's fault. I think everyone's problems are Bruce Forsyth's fault. <laughs> I didn't know. I saw the good, the bad, and the queen at the Palladium. I didn't know that Bruce's ashes are buried under the stage. 
lady. Oh, of the Palladium. I thought you meant under the uh, everywhere the good, the bad, and the queen play. <laughs> it's an unusual rider. He buried himself under the Palladium. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't. Um, That's fucking awful. It's it's kind of creepy. Like I think obviously it's meant to be like here's the place that made him, but it is mm. like so you are lit- the performers are literally dancing on his grave. Yeah. Well, I suppose that's good as well. I, mean, there's a, I bet there's a lot of people who'd like to do that. I, I know I would. Anyway, so um, the policeman says to him... Because um, uh, So is this film... This is what I was going to ask. Is this film, is this regarded as like... Because this is... There is some of the dialogue here is like, you know, terrible. Yes. It, so is this... Has this been re-evaluated? Is this a so bad it's good type film? What was what was this film's reputation? Like, I, I think it's one of those cult, so bad it's good things, yeah. yeah. It's not as wildly celebrated as a lot of films. Because it's, it's fascinating that if Death Wish was like, you know, it's violent, and to, for a film, to, for its legacy to go from one of the series is regarded as like this benchmark in violence, hmm. and one film is regarded as pantomime. I don't know, because I, I saw this as a kid when it came out on video, and as a child, I loved it. Right, yeah. Because it's a cartoon, it's yeah, stupid. Yeah. And the, the, the computer game of this was... Yes, I was, loved the computer. And was famed for its violence. Mm. The actual pixelated character of Bronson looked exactly like him. Because I, I, I watched, there's a bit of it on YouTube, hmm. the Commodore 64, presumably because he was 64. <laughs> That's the tie-in. <laughs> Um, but yeah, because he's because he's features because he he was so featureless by the time he was sixty four. Yeah, yeah. It was very easy to uh, make him a pixelated character. <laughs> That's why I think. Yeah, he just because his own moustache just looks like a set of pixels. Yes. Yeah, I mean, check it out. It looks exactly like him. Because um, because this is, we we get these this really bad dialogue where uh, Kurt, where Jeff Deathwish says you you always violate people's constitutional rights. And then Ed Lawton says, I'm the law. That means I get to violate your constitutional rights. And that's not how it works. It's literally not how it works. Yeah. But he punches um, Charles Bronson. Yes. Charles Bronson kicks him. And he says, get him in the cooler. Yeah. Again. And as he kicks him, all these police run in and go, you son of a bitch. And cooler, again, I, I associate with the Great Escape. Great so there's, there's these... They, they, I'm sure they would say, oh, it's an intentional homage. And you're going, I don't think it is. No. When he gets in the cooler, there's a man there, a, a weird guy, who says, Looking for trouble, man! <laughs> and a man wanders over and just punches him in the stomach. Yeah. And then and, he falls over. And this really is like, this is the, like, all of these people are struggling actors. Yeah. That you would have been served a coffee by all, the entire contents of that prison cell at some point. Yeah. And so it's all. Uh, that level of like high performance. There's, there's a certain way they prevent a, they present a knife. That that thing where they, they, they if it's a flick knife and they'll put it next to their face like ta da, mm-hmm. and the light has to shimmer off of it yeah. as well. Um, but when he gets into the prison cell, he he makes a he makes a beeline for the toilet. He does because I'm thinking that he really needs a wee. Yeah, well he's 64. He's 64, and a man informs him that he uh, ripped it out. Yeah, so he can't have a wee. And then the man <laughs> attacks him. And yes. Jeff pushes yes. his head through the draft. Through the, the bar. So, so this is, and it's one of the, where they've just gone, you know, we've gone for this gritty realism. Should we just have a man's head fit through bars that are obviously too small for him? Yeah, fine. <laughs> I also read that in this scene there was supposed to be a male rape scene, which was written but not filmed. 
<laughs> I'm imagining they brought that to Bronson and went, so um, this guy here, this is Paul. Say hi, Paul. Paul's going to have sex with you against your will. <laughs> I'm not doing that. Okay, Paul, you can go home. And that's, yeah, again, because it's, we just, we just, they've just re-released The Clockwork Orange. Yes. Uh, and I saw a screening of it with Malcolm McDowell and my wife had never seen it and, and she was finding it. What quite, did Malcolm McDowell think of it when you went with him? Uh, he was mainly annoyed by the interviewer. Okay. Was, uh, he's, uh, yeah, he's, I, he was kind of emphasising how much of it he developed with, he was, where he says, with if Lindsay Anderson, he was going, that's all Lindsay Anderson, whereas oh. this was much more collaborative. And it's interesting that, that it, one of the things my wife, well, that remains problematic with Clockwork Orange is there's lots of lingering on boobs. Yes. Uh, and they're all pneumatic. It's, and that obviously could be argued that that's part of the point of the film as well. But whereas, so this has huge debts to Clockwork Orange. I thought of the whole series, there's bits. But it's interesting that they still chicken out of a male rape. Mm. That it's the, the, the fundamental attitude towards women displayed by these films is, uh, it's almost like Michael Winner was some kind of grotesque pervert. It is, isn't it? But I would pay good money to see Charles Bronson made love to by another <laughs> man. I wouldn't, though. His face is sort of squished up enough. Imagine if he was in pain. <laughs> Well, because he acts. That was I was trying to remember the name of, and again, another screening of uh, of yours. Uh, the, the the old men film in uh, Norbert Smith. Oh, the Dogs it, of War. Dog, it was the Dogs of yeah. War. So Peter O'Pist and Oliver the, Guinness. That, that that Bronson would not be out of place. No. Now step away from the table. Well, well. It is most convenient that I should be dropping in. So, Major Cartwright, we meet again. Again? Yes. We met four years ago in Berlin. The 1936 Olympics. Your athletic ability deprives the Reich of three gold medals. I think you'll find it was four. Um, but, so he's in the prison cell, and we meet um, Brad from Superman 3. Yes. Uh, who's Gavin O'Reilly. Oh, and that was, that's the other thing. That, so there's the line There's a line that doesn't make sense. before. We, so he pushes his head through the bars, oh, he, oh, yeah, and yeah. then someone says, talk about getting shit-faced. That's right. That only works if he'd put his head down the toilet. So it's like, I reckon the script would have originally said he jams his head down the broken toilet. Yeah. That makes it more doesn't sense. make any sense. No. Like, if, if he, he's head through the bars, you would say to him, like, you're barred, mm. or something like that. So we then, yeah, we meet Gavin O'Hurley. The son of Dan O'Hurley. From Robocop. From Robocop, yeah. So that's, and the last Starfighter. Ah, uh, yeah, that's blimey. That's, I haven't seen that since I was... He plays like an alien with a raise in the face. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is, and it's a Gavin O'Hurley, who mm. in Willow, mm. with lots of hair, mm. looks great. Mm. Where, so they've gone for the opposite thing. Obviously, this is pre-Willow, where yeah. the idea that a gang would shave the middle of their head yeah. so that he's meant to look scary and he looks like Neil Kinnock. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's all I can have in my head, is that he's about to like trip over on a beach or go, we're all right. I'd, I'd pay amazing amounts of money to have someone redub him as Neil Kinnock. Who's going to do it? <laughs> yeah. Because he looks, he's, and he looks, so he looks like Neil Kinnock and he looks a bit like Charles Dance uh, mm. in sort of Firstborn. Or For Your Eyes Only. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, 
and neither it's just not it you just sort of think this you know he's the most menacing creep on the streets and the only thing he has to fear is sunlight <laughs> or an election smash <laughs> <laughs> um. bond Welcome to All Rather Mysterious, the podcast that aims to unlock the mysteries of the past with the key of fact. My name is John Rain. My name is Eleanor Morton. My name is David Reed. Please join us as we present to you mysteries that have baffled the world. You had any noises? What about um, a door creaking? Uh, you, don't, uh, you don't have to do this. That weird kadook that yeah, lights going off makes for some reason in films. <laughs> All Rather Mysterious. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTER Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Smashbot. But he has a fight with... Gavin O'Hare. Yes. Because then there's the thing where he goes, I want to move in on that one in the corner. And yeah. no one sort of goes, okay, you're an intimidating boss. You want to, you want to attack a 64-year-old man. <laughs> there's some genuine brick shit houses here. Mm. You're going to make a statement by attacking that potato. <laughs> but he does. He picks on him. And uh, Bronson fights... Oh, sorry, Jeff Deathwish fights back. Yeah. And oh, yeah. Uh, doesn't he doesn't quite win this one, does he? Because no. uh, Gavin O'Hurley says, there's a, hey, man, I always win. Mm. And then he and then he gets uh, he gets saved by the bell basically because someone says your lawyer's here yeah to the bad he was called Fraker Fraker and again that's oh, just the clumsiness of it that the detective is Shriker mm-hmm. and he's Fraker and mm. no one's gone you could just change them to put them together you get Cooler Shaker <laughs> <laughs> the worst crime of all exactly because <laughs> um, later later in the film. It's listed. I heard it as Mandy. There's one bit where he answers the phone, or he's on the phone to someone. He goes, "Hi, it's Mandy Fraker." Now it is listed as Manny in yeah. a few places, but it, I I heard Mandy. That's even better. And I I love the idea that because he looks like he's in palliative care. He does not 
look like the head of a crime cartel. No, he doesn't. No. Um, but he gets out and he turns to Bronson and says, I'm going to kill a little old lady just for you. Which is very sweet. It's lovely, so, you know, it? like a, a homage murder. Mm. Maybe he works at Dignitas. <laughs> Maybe he says, just for you, I'll dedicate my next killing to you. <laughs> uh, but Franco's lawyer, as I mentioned earlier, is Nick Rivers' agent who died via the anal intruder in Top Secret. Nick. I've tried everything. The embassy, the German government, consulate. I even talked to the UN ambassador. It's no use. I just can't bring my wife to orgasm. <laughs> and uh, then we meet Miss Davies, who's yeah, the public defender. Yeah, she's... Because you can tell that there's, there's a really actory way. Gavin O'Hurley, he, when he meets his lawyer, he sits on a stool mm. in a way that if someone had gone to a, like, a really overly pretentious drama student, I want you to sit in that stool. He kind of does that, like, vault over it. Mm. And, and it's like, you can tell. It's like, you could, like, you know, if someone, the way someone will hold a mug... If they're wanting to be a, a like a particularly like nerdy teacher, they'll hold the mug in a funny way. Yeah. But also, Ed Lauter earlier when he sat down to talk to Bronson, he flipped the chair around. Yes, exactly. That's exact, exactly those, where you wonder has that. It feels like that's come from winner. Mm. Definitely. This is this is a middle class man's idea of action. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then because then we meet the lawyer, and again this phrase because she says to Schreiker, "You're violating all his rights." And that feels to again that middle class idea. You're violating my rights. <laughs> uh, and then the police have a Lauter has a briefing with all these um, policemen, and he says the crime's really bad. We've got to do something about it. And then one of them goes, "Well, we tailed some of the bad guys." And he said, "Oh, and what happened?" And he said, "Crime went up eleven <laughs> percent." Yeah. How shit are you? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not as if they're doing it covertly. You can go to that neighbourhood and you see about three murders in ten minutes. I like the way they deliver it like a punchline. Mm. So, so that that bit of info is delivered like it's a, an episode of a 1980s sitcom. Yeah. Rather than it's you know like the idea that the chief of police is not in possession of the facts. Mm. Crime went up 11. percent Pause for laughter. Uh, but then he decides he comes up with a brilliant idea. Right. He goes to see Bronson, <laughs> and he says, "Come on, me and you're going to have a talk." And then he says, I, I know what you do. I know what you did. How about you do it again? And I'll turn a blind eye, <laughs> essentially. Because it's been suggested that he, that since we've seen him in Death Wish 2, there are other incidents that he's sort of turned. He's made it a hobby. Hmm. It's important. If you can make your job your passion. Yeah. It's like, I had a friend when I was a kid. Who, his dad used to build and fly aeroplanes, you know, like model aeroplanes. <laughs> if, if I was, when I was a kid, my friend's dad went out at night with a gun and murdered punks and creeps. <laughs> Same sort of thing, I suppose. It's, and it's it, this is it's like it's as if the first, you know we've seen his origin story. Mm. I remember like the Batman film where they suggest that it, like the one from the nineties where they suggest that you know his parents get killed and he hides in a cave. Yes, and there's bats and that's why he becomes Batman. A friend of mine got mugged on the tube and while he was being mugged, he looked up and saw a poster, uh, an advert for Mister Cadbury's parrot. <laughs> <laughs> Parrots scare me. It's time my enemies shared my dread. Because <laughs> the, the, the plot to all of these is paper thin. Hmm. So, but at least with the previous, the, the previous ones, they're so simple yeah. that there is a grim logic to it. Whereas, yeah, this idea of like, I'm going to use you. Yeah, I'm weaponizing you. And then we go back to Fraker, who goes back to his original gang. Oh, there's a bit where Bronson lisps as well, where, where they go, where has he been? He goes, I've been in the country having a rest. <laughs> 
and <laughs> they don't go, shall we do that again, Charles? No. Where have you been recently, Jersey? In the country. Having a rest. I don't think um, him and Winnick are on in this. Oh, did they not? From what I can understand. Because um, we, uh, from I read an article once saying that Winner had filmed loads of other se- second unit action stuff that Bronson didn't like. Oh, really? Right. And um, they fell out. And that's why when they did the fourth one, Winner didn't get the call. Right, yeah, yeah. I'm sure he was how, like, I'd love to know what win, like how he got funding constantly for this. Well, I know. So this is this is yeah, Canon films. They were like a fucking. You just go there with yeah. a toilet roll with a film written on it. They yeah. give you the money for it. Because and this is this two Israeli Menachem mm. Golan and I can't remember Steve, Globus. Steve Globus. Yeah, but this this film is the worst human rights abuse ever committed by Israelis. Yes, <laughs> I think it might be. Yeah. I mean, although they, he did do that Delta Force film, oh, yes, which yeah. he directed himself. <laughs> and they did that wonderful, I love that wonderful story from that. Was it called The Last American Virgin? Oh, where, yeah, yeah. Where she has an abortion, the guy brings her, comes to hospital and brings her a Christmas tree and some oranges, because that's an Israeli custom. But to the rest of the world, that just seems fucking <laughs> mental. He turns up with a Christmas tree and an orange. Sorry, you had yeah. an abortion. <laughs> Have a Christmas tree yeah. in orange. At least he didn't bring the Christmas tree before the abortion. It might imply that that's, <laughs> that's what they use. Oh, that's harsh. <laughs> um, but Freaker but, returns to his gang. Yeah. And there's like a new guy who's calling the shots. I'm in charge. And yeah. Freaker stabs him in the throat. Yeah. Pretty, and with no blood. No. Good is for it, him. Is this what, and that's because Shri- Shri- Shriker has said to him, is there again bad die? He said to Charles Bronson, I'll bury you so deep they'll never find the bones. That's well, not how it works. Yeah. They found dinosaurs, mate. Yeah. They were buried quite go, that's quite a long that's quite a lot of work you're creating for yourself. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna really dig a long way, I'm gonna really exhaust myself. I guess you could get a load of policemen to do it. <laughs> yeah. He's the chief. Oh well, there's also when um, when Fraker murders that fella, he says the best line I've ever heard. He he brings out his flick knife. He oh says, yes, yeah. this is a sticker. And you're the sticky. <laughs> That's been written by a middle-aged yeah. man. And again, they're like, they've not gone. It sounds like sticky. Yeah. It sounds like you've wiped a toffee apple on him. They're just they're, they're quite happy with it. And what's odd? This screenwriter of this film goes on to do arachnophobia. So, so there are good things in his future. Mm, apart from well, that's not his fault. Arachnophobia always bothers me because the spider goes ee! when it gets shot. Oh, yeah, at the yeah, end. yeah. Spiders don't make noises. Yeah, that's a. Well, I've never had sex with one thing like <laughs> Do you ever have sex with a spider? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> there was once, a, uh, in younger days, a, a girl who I'd had a dalliance with, my my sketch colleagues said she looked like a spider. How? So they, they bought me, they, bombard, they bullied me by buying oh. lots of little rubberized spiders. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's a really weird thing to do. How, would, how does a person look like a spider? What was they it? were very limmy. That was their right. argument. Okay. And they lived under the toilet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and what's you having a dump? <laughs> uh, so Miss Davies is over the moon that Bronson's being released. Yes. And she says, um, uh, do you want to press charges? Because they violated your rights, as you said. And he says, nope. Yeah, and then she gives him a number. She does. Yeah. She says, here's, here's my number. Let me know. Yeah. And again, she, I sort of, I'm trying to remember what I recognised her from. She, she's got another, she's another of those, so you kind of go, oh, you've been around somewhere. 
No, I don't know. I should have looked it up, but I didn't. I think she was in Death Wish 3. Yeah. She's probably in another winner film. Oh, that was... I've got all these... I've written... Because I was hating... It's, you know when you're enjoying a film, you're happy to pause it and, like, to write, like, kind of remind yourself. Whereas there's a few bits where I've, like, gone, what the fuck have I written here? Because... Uh, it's the, the, the when they warn him. There's there's bits of incompetence. It's the bureaucracy. So when they're before they release Bronson, they say we're arranging your release. It's going to take a while. Yeah. There's always like bloody paperwork. <laughs> and then it kind of goes. There's a new breed on the streets. And it goes because they all shave their heads and wear these. And then you can tell that before he does the. I, you're, I, this is a sticker. You're the sticky. You see a ghetto blaster. You do. And again, it's the old person's idea of look. There's a ghetto blaster. This was around the time of the Guardian Angels, remember them? Yes. Yeah, I'm surprised there's nothing like that in this. Yeah, Curtis Sliwa. That's a pub right. quiz. Also, this is just after the Bernie... Is it Bernie Getz? Bernard Getz? I might have the name wrong. It was a guy on the New York, New York subway. Oh, yes, yeah. Who shot three black guys. Yeah. And claimed that they'd mugged... Well, a lot of people aren't sure whether he was actually mugged. Yeah, well, I think they later admitted they were planning to mug him, but right. he he um, he used it. It's like it's like a rapid fire technique that he'd learned. So he fires four shots in however many seconds. Right, because when you watch the behind the scenes interview from Death Wish Three, Bronson's asked a question about it. He just says, "Oh, I don't know what's going on in his mind, but I know what's going on in Kersey's mind." Death Wish Three parallels the true life story of New York vigilante Bernard Getz who gunned down four youths as they assaulted him on a subway train. In this new action thriller, Charles Bronson returns to the streets as our favorite vigilante, Paul Kersey. I don't know what was in Getz's mind, and I don't know what was in the minds of those who were shot at. But I do know what was in the mind of Paul Kersey, the character I played in Death Wish 1. <laughs> I don't think he does. <laughs> I don't think he knows that. Uh, so he returns to his neighborhood... And, yeah, uh, we see him wandering the neighbourhood. Yeah, kind of looking for trouble. Yeah, looking can't... like a bewigged nonce. Yeah, <laughs> he can't catch the giggler. I was reading that the giggler is taken from the original Death Wish novel. Yeah, and because the original, the, the original novel, the bloke hated the film so much that he wrote a sequel to the novel because he was so angry. So it's odd that they're like stoking him even more by invoking it. Is it. Did he do it like the Lost World? Did he do it that the... Bronson goes out running amok in San Diego, <laughs> like Michael Crichton had to do. Anyway, so this is where we see Alex Winter. Yes, we see we see we see Deanna Troy mm. have her bag snatched. And Alex uh, Winter gets on her car and says, "I want to eat you, baby." <laughs> and uh, Deanna Troy, being an empath, mm. she's going to feel the genuine upset. She she feels the anger and upset. It's weird. I didn't know that Marina Sirtis was British. So, so seeing interviews, she's in the Canon Films documentary. Well, she had a horrible scene to do. We'll get to later. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. She's um, she drives down to a car park with him on her on her bonnet. Yeah. And you would think that she has the upper hand in that scenario. You would, but she doesn't. Uh, but luckily, in the nick of time, Jeff Deathwish <laughs> leaps out from the uh, shadows and smacks Alex Winter on the head with an iron bar. Yeah, letting Troy drive away. Yeah, and it's it's kind of it, there's lots of injuries that aren't in any way like there's that throughout this film there are some comedy injuries. Yeah, and so the whacking him with an iron bar causes him minor inconvenience. Yeah, whereas it would probably put you in hospital for a while, mm. I imagine. Maybe he's on so many drugs. 
And this is, it, there is like, my enjoyment of this film was increased 4% by, by realising it was Alex Winter. Yes. That, that uh, he's like, oh, oh, that's... Wouldn't it be good if he's actually, this is Canon, not Canon, Canon. That he's actually, who was he? He was Bill, wasn't he? Yeah, I was trying to remember which one he was. Yeah, because I only remember, because I remember the, uh, Keanu Reeves calling himself Ted Theodore Logan Esquire. Right. Which I always enjoyed. Uh, yeah, he's Bill. So it'd be good if this was part of their homework. Yeah. He was studying about <laughs> being a, a rapist and a gay. Yeah. Well, because if he, uh, he could give him a, he could, I can't remember exactly how they do it, where they interfere with his underwear and they could go, I totally Melvin death wish. Yeah, that would be good. Um, but then he meets Martin Balsam down and goes, hey, hang on, I'll come yeah, down. And it really is. That's the upset. Martin Balsam is one of the greats. Yeah. Uh, and he looks fat and sweaty and just clearly i don't know if he's in financial difficulty or of course he is he wouldn't be in this if he wasn't would he (laughs) you wouldn't do this if you didn't need money (laughs) because they paid like bronson does this because they pay him like a million and a half dollars or something like that 10 million dollar budget and bronson gets 1.5 million of that it's not bad is it yeah but yeah bolson comes down and says to him he takes him up to his apartment and tells him about charlie and at this point, he says, Charlie talked about you all the time. And I'm starting to think that Charlie was a bit like Father Stone from Father Ted, <laughs> that Bronson didn't really like him. It would have been great if he'd have gone in his house and there was a painting of him and Bronson together. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so they all served in the war. Yeah, and, and again, it's that thing of like, again, the foxification of it, the, the, they're veterans. You know, uh, they're good guys because they're veterans. Yes. And Bronson says, like, what goes on out here is a disgrace. Mm. Which is a very Trump word. It is, isn't it? But he also says, you missed the funeral. He's only even got a night. <laughs> yeah. That's fucking quick going, isn't it? Imagine, that is true, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's been gone one night and they've yeah. had the funeral. His body isn't even cold. <laughs> he might not be dead. Yeah, and, and the flat is basically untouched as well. Well, he says the police cleaned it up. Do they do that? <laughs> I don't think they do that. That's really nice. They assault people. They violate their constitutional rights. But they They're very tidy. <laughs> Yeah, he says they, they they dusted for prints and then they cleaned up. Is that how it works? He says they don't care, though, to be fair. Yeah. But they care enough to make it clean, so that's nice. <laughs> uh, but he says the rent's paid to the end of the month. Yeah. You can stay there. Uh, would you want to stay in a place where your friend's been murdered? Yeah. I don't think I would. But it's that thing, like, your friend's just been killed here, but have you seen his bed? <laughs> this has got tremendous... And it's got great views of the creeps. <laughs> This is like Joaquin Phoenix putting a tent where River died. Yeah. It's a nice spot. Um, it's, it's, it, the number of the eyeline shots in this film, like he looks out the window and Gavin O'Hurley, he's just there. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Yeah, he looks right up at him. There's no fucking way he'd see him from down there. And again, having to look up with Gavin, uh, Gavin O'Hurley, his complexion, mm. he's trying to squint. It's a good point. Um, but... Um, but we find out that the reason Charlie was killed is because he wouldn't pay protection. Uh, yeah, again, cl- just so... Let's throw that in as well. <laughs> yeah. Protection from what? Yeah. From Not accidents. From accidents and trips. This is like... Give us, um, give, us, give, us, give us some money or you might not get a side-opening bath. <laughs> we're not always there for the terrible <laughs> things in life. What were they called? We won't make a drama out of a crisis. <laughs> I don't know who they were now. Anyway, so Bronson has Charlie's apartment. Um, oh, he knows, and this is where we identify the giggler. And there's just bits where he says he murdered someone, and Bronson says, how do you know it was him? And Martin Bronson just goes, it was him. Hmm. Again, that sounds like a middle-aged, an old white guy pointing at an ethnic and going, of course it was him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Could have been somebody else. No, it was the 
black guy. <laughs> but then um, Deanna Troy and her husband come in. Yeah. And he thanks Bronson and, for and they tra- this is the patronising, because like, th- there's this vague suggestion that Bronson reunites the different cultures and nationalities. Well, I'm sorry, Steve, uh, but he does. <laughs> so you can tell the, the vague respect to the Hispanic people is that rather than saying this is Maria Rodriguez, they really hit the R's. Mm. So this is Maria and Rodriguez. Mm. What's he called? J- Jeff Deathwish. No, 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 the husband. Oh, I think, is he Rodriguez? I thought he was Rodriguez. Oh, is he? Because I, I was going to say, I don't even think, if you hear his name, I don't remember yeah, it. No, I think, I think he's Rodriguez. Rodriguez. I can't roll my eyes. And, it, and it's because he's obviously got a moustache as well. Yeah. Uh, so it's just, it, it is odd that like him and Bronson talking, it looks like a vox pop on That's Life. It does. <laughs> or a father and son body swap comedy. <laughs> yeah. like he's inside the young man's body. <laughs> And he's trapped inside Jeff Deathwish's body. <laughs> kind of like vice versa to the revenge. That'd be good. Uh, but he tells them, don't worry, what my friend Wiley is coming. Yeah. And it, this is, there's obviously product placement. Big time. Because uh, uh, we even get a, a little bit where he stops and goes, you know, you can adjust the uh, yeah, yeah. calibration for the bullets. It's really good. Yeah. Oh, God. Did you know, the, did you hear the fact about that gun? Every time this film's shown in America, the sales spike. Is that so? That is so. That from people shooting themselves in the head while watching it. <laughs> but that's the thing in America. In, in this country, you see that gun. Our oh, spoiler alert, Wiley is a gun. Yeah. When you it, see Will, that gun... Wildy, I think it's... Oh, it's Wildy. Sorry, yeah. Because I, I think it's the bloke's name. It is. Sorry, yeah, um, it's Wildy. Um, when you see that gun, you, a British person looks at that and goes, fucking hell, that's awful. It's literally a hand cannon. And in America, they're like, oh, I have one of them. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to violate my yeah, constitutional rights of being able to shoot holes in something. Wish 3 is aspirational shopping. Well, it is. As you say, it's Fox News mm. type stuff. It's the NRAs yeah, yeah. in here. You get um, racial profiling <laughs> and um, not caring that much when ethnic minorities emerge in the streets. Yeah. Anyway, so he, buy, he goes and buys a car. Yeah. And he and turns up a postal it. box. It's important. The, po- the postal box is again, very important. Again, it's this. I wonder if so. There's a shout out to Wildy Guns mm. and the US Postal Service. Yes, both really doing a great job, guys. Well done. These all sound <laughs> like Trump tweets. Um, <laughs> so he buys his car. He turns up in it. Martin Balsam says, "What's that for?" And he goes, "Bait." Uh, and then he, he walks into the flat and he goes, ah, when, "When I got in here earlier, I just smelled this amazing <laughs> cooking. Goes, what? What is it?" And he says, "Oh, that's the Caprovs. They live on the bottom floor." Let's go and say hello. Yeah. And she's making stuffed cabbage. Yeah. Which um, does not smell nice. No. I, I've eaten stuffed cabbage and liked it, but it does not. He should say, wow, what does that smell? It smells like an old lady's died. <laughs> cabbage notoriously doesn't smell good when it's cooking. Yeah. It smells like farts. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. He would smell it. Like, surely, Bronson being 6'4", he should smell it and go, oh, I need another adult diaper. <laughs> But when they get there, she says, oh, would you like to join us for dinner? And he says, yeah, can I have a few minutes to clean up? <laughs> Does he mean <laughs> go and have a wank? <laughs> yeah, he's gonna, he thinks he's in. He's going <laughs> to clean his knob in the sink just on the off He'd have been livid when uh, her husband showed up. <laughs> who looks we, like uh, John Bluthall. I thought it was him for a minute, yeah, but he it's does, not. Yes. Yeah. Because we see him, um, and it's the, another of the classic cliches, that we cut to them at dinner and she's finishing a joke. Yes. And so I, I said, I married him in 1931. <laughs> and then we hear some smashing and a crashing. 
Yeah, again, broken glass. Yeah. So much broken glass in this. So much. And Brosnan, go, oh, sorry, Jeff Deathwish goes out and two guys are stealing his car. Yeah. And They've says, taken the bait. He says, what's the problem? Yeah. Oh, this, yeah. We're stealing the car. What's it to you? <laughs> it's my car. Yeah, he really, like, no one thought, like, can you try and say that less like a Jewish 95-year-old man? <laughs> It's my car. <laughs> Oi vey, you're stealing my car. So he should have said, it's my car already. Yeah. Anyway, they, they make it, uh, they rush him. Yeah. He pulls out a gun. And, and this is where, we, it's the way they do the knife. That's one of the ultimate. Uh, yes. Yeah, it really is like, here's, here's knifey. You're, and, you're about to become the sticky. Yeah. That's that's what that is a thing that you say before you spunk on someone. <laughs> that's, that's, this is there is a thing the Very way sticky <laughs> the way they shoot people like it's not exciting or intimidating. No, that his way like where he just put it's the two handed shooting mm. and then the the I, I I it feels like this does come from the decorative films that the throwing back the the ultra theatrical throwing back yeah maybe dirty harry does it as well yes but but it's it, it looks like really shit actors it does but also like dirty harry when death wish and dirty harry fire their gun it doesn't sound like a gun it goes yeah yeah like, like that kind of noise when other people fire it's like yeah 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 because he's got the best gun. Yeah, yeah. So they've really, they've, yeah, they've big dicked his gun even they've more. Big dicked his gun. Uh, but he returns to his dinner, and then Balsam says, "What was that? We heard shooting." He said, "I, I sent them a I message." Sent them a message. Yeah. Again, this is this is this is so humourless. Like, yeah. as in, obviously, it's funny unintentionally, but it's it's interesting looking back at comparing it with other action films. How unfunny this is. Yeah. There's that. Yeah. He, it's it's heartbreaking that you could. I'm trying to. Think, I, I don't know. I'm now stuck on what you would say. What if you shot two people? Yeah, yeah. You'd say I just murdered a couple of people. Yeah, yeah. But if you did it in that Jack Benny style, yeah, I stuffed those cabbages. <laughs> yeah, that's better. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the next day, uh, Maria's being bothered by our friend, the dancer in the crop top. Yeah. Well, we see. Is this where we, where we see a bloke from who's outside the area? We see him being killed. Is that yes? Uh, because th there's just a brief shot where it's just you see, <coughs> just to underline the fact that the creeps are bad guys. What's great in that scene is that and they, they haven't reshot it. So there's there's people swarming around him, and one of the blokes in the centre of the shot is holding a plunger. Like <laughs> <laughs> he's wanted to be part of it, but they everyone else has nabbed all the best. Maybe he's like in training, <laughs> so they don't give him a proper weapon yet. Yeah, but they so kill I, a guy. When I said I'm going to get you, sucker. I didn't mean. <laughs> uh, they kill a guy who's uh, ventured into their turf. Yes, it's like a turf war. It is on a global scale. Yeah, I'd except hear we both only sides of the tail. We only see one of the other gang though, and, yeah. and Bronson. Yeah. And then the chief. We, is this where we see the chief once arrested? He goes, "You guys aren't pussies, are you?" Yeah. Which again, like they've got. He said, "Pussy." <laughs> Uh, but, but but Bronson punches our dancer friend. Yeah, so and he, a little yeah, black he wants five dollars. Yeah, the little black kid goes something like "my man," yeah, yeah. and he does it back. Really There's embarrassing. This fist pump. Yeah, yeah. like there would ordinarily be the closing shot. And like, and he's wearing a leather jacket to show yeah. that he's he's suddenly cool. He is pretty cool though. <laughs> 
But the kids, and the, we've not seen the kid at any point. No, we see him again a bit later. Yeah, then. in the shop. He gives him an ice cream. He does give him an ice so, cream. So, uh, Bronson, what are you doing? He takes him on tour <laughs> um, and puts his mother in a room four rooms away. <laughs> anyway, so he gets home. He gets back to his flat and uh, Freaker phones him. Yeah. It's nice that they've got each other's numbers. It they is, swap, it? They swap digits. And he, he threatens him. Yeah. He says, stay out of my business. Yeah. And he goes, he's dead, just like you're going to be. Yeah. And then uh, Bronson goes into his kitchen and there's footprints. There's footprints. And out of nowhere, some Minder-style music that does, comes isn't up. it? Yeah, yeah. But it's it's so cheap. It's like he sees the footprints, and it, it's almost like they've gone wow wow wow. But then Miss Davis arrives and asks him to her house for dinner. Yeah. Basically, she's fallen in love with him. She wants it after she's only met him once. <laughs> I'm sure well, this is because we've seen we've seen Shriker is spoken to in the alley. Yeah. Because because we've seen the the cop lights like he's parked in the middle of this shithole area and just really surreptitiously. Does it, well, not surreptitiously at all. Flashes his lights like a dogger yeah. attracting trade. That's probably what Bronson was after. Oh, is you? Yeah. But is it me or was all the way through this film? Is it Shraker? Yeah, Shraker? yeah. All the way through this film, he's basically saying, "Yeah, could you just calm down a bit?" Yeah, yeah. Like he sets him loose. He's like, "I want you to be my vigilante." And mm. going, "Hey, hey, hey." When I said vigilante, I meant well, I will kill one person, yeah, yeah. not fifteen. <laughs> In one night. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so we see the bloke who's hurt his foot because he goes, shit, man, I'm hurt. Oh, yeah. And he looks about 45. Yeah. Uh, but the police burst into the Kaprov's house and say, we got reports of you waving a gun at someone. Yeah. <laughs> if you let us take it away, we'll leave it there. But it's my only kind of prediction. Yeah. And uh, when they when they leave with a the gun, they say, thanks, mister. Yeah. It's just, the, the there are points where, like, I had to do this in shifts mm-hmm. that, that, that you have to sort of walk away and just kind of go nope this is for the love of the podcast mm-hmm. <laughs> wouldn't it have made more sense and been more interesting if those policemen were secretly working for the gang well that was and it was hinted at like when when uh, when Fraker when when, uh, when Neil Kinnock gets out of prison quite mm. so quickly, it, it, there's the vague suggestion that he might have connections like he's got a clean criminal record and how is it when we've just seen him in prison hmm. and he's got so that i thought they were hinting that there was some you're going to find a corrupt cop or something like that hmm. and it's hinted at and they just they never in they no. never push it further um so um bronson yeah. comes around and says don't worry i've got an idea i'll build a plank yeah they will hit people in the face uh, and it's yeah, he's it, it's the chuckle brothers and he and like he fucking lo- will wilf, wilf lunn <laughs> <laughs> He's got it's sort of it, these weird slapsticky bits. Yeah. And again, it's called back to this. They don't plant there again. It, it just pays off straight away that we see two front teeth. Well, they're vampire teeth as Ooh. well. They're like two spiky Nosferatu <laughs> teeth. And then he says he's thinning the herd. <laughs> you know, you've just taken a couple of, you've taken some teeth out. Yeah. Well, it reminded me like when I, when I, I my incisors, I'd have them when my milk teeth, they wouldn't come out. So the doctor had to take them out. So it's like. It's like they've been extracted by a dentist and then hammered in. Yeah, but uh, they were proper pointy teeth. But also, it, like it would knock, it would knock it in. Yeah, wouldn't it? 
they would end up. He would swallow his teeth rather yes. than. Also, just, unless, unless maybe that's sheer good luck, and one of the one of the gang was a Nosferatu. <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm thinking it wasn't the gang. I'm thinking it was an actual vampire <laughs> that was coming to kill them. And uh, when Bronson will go later, ha ha! I got one of your guys' front teeth. They'll be like, "What are you talking about?" It's the master from Salem's Lot. <laughs> he was yes. just got really unlucky. James Mason knocks on his door later on. I'm sorry, did you find a pair of teeth? <laughs> yeah. We're missing them. Uh, so. <laughs> Wildy is here. Yes. He's arrived. And everybody from the fucking neighbourhood's come round to have a look. And, it, and it's, again, the campness, the inadvertent campness of, like, the, the gangs. It's like if Robert Mapplethorpe did gangs. It's, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, but we know. We've seen the gun. Yeah, but he also does an advert for it, like we were saying earlier. He said that it's, um, uh, it's, it's, it's got uses big game but rounds. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, um, it's, this is it's like the opposite of Chekhov. Like, like, is it you know if you see a gun in Act One, is that with, in Michael Winner's world? If you see a gun, you have to use it twenty seconds later. <laughs> yeah, but poor Maria now is, is is snatched from the streets and and raped. Yeah, and this is that it's it's almost like they've gone. It's what we it's what's expected of us. We've mm. got to give them. It's like it's like Supergrass playing all right. <laughs> That they have to do it because it's there are certain tropes of the films. Weirdly, one of the other tropes in the first two films is there's always a, there's always a scene where you see what a bloody good architect he is. Mm, oh yeah, of course, because he's an architect. And it's odd that they they feel the need in this cavalcade of rape and mayhem and violence and unpleasantness that there's always a scene where like where he's saved them a lot of money and he presents a design and they're like, damn, Kersey's good. That mm. but. but so there's none of that in this. We don't see his architectural skills. No. Um, but, yeah, it's... It, I, it, because it's so cheesy, it's so naff, I was almost hoping that you're not going to see a rape scene in it. Yes. But, but it's like they've just, you know, there is gratuitous tit. And she had a horrible story about how they wouldn't let her move from that spot because they wanted to get the right lighting. And she was yeah. just said it was really cold and unpleasant and everyone was really mean to her. Yeah, it's... Yeah, it's just awful. I don't think Michael Winner was very nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he would probably say, it's, just the, yeah. it's, too, it's too bleak to sort of... Yeah, yeah. I imagine he would say, calm down, dear. He would, wouldn't he? Um, but then um, we cut to uh, Bronson and Mr. Rodriguez. Yeah. And he gets... Bronson calls the hospital and manages to get the information that she's okay, she's just broken her arm. Yeah. How would he get that information? Yeah. Anyway, so they go to the hospital... And then the doctor comes out and says, I'm sorry, Mrs. Rodriguez has expired. How's my wife? Can I see her? Mrs. Rodriguez has expired. Which is exactly the way a doctor would break exactly. that heartbreaking news. It's similar to the way I think his wife in the first one died. Is the, the news is broken in a similar way. Oh, is he it? He thinks she's just injured, and it turns out she's, she's died. It's a blood clot, apparently. Yeah. Which so is again, again, why they feel the need to like. Here's how we justify this sudden shift in tone. Yeah, it's just odd, really odd. Um, but then um, Bronson goes home and says to Charlie, "I'm just going to go out and buy an ice cream." <laughs> and then he says, "I'm an American." Something like that. Mm. So he goes to the corner shop. He goes, "This is this is America, isn't it?" Yeah. Which again, Fox News, like, I I want to buy an ice cream while holding a gun. He brings his camera with him. He brings his camera as bait, more bait, to catch the giggler, because he's noticed that the giggler snatches handbags or dangly things. Yeah, yeah. So it's either going to be his camera or his testicles. <laughs> so They're too heavy at Bronson's age. 
can't get to, you can't get that close to the ground. Oh God! You have to use a little wheelbarrow. <laughs> um, but he buys that little kid an ice cream, and then he heads out. And he's, he's sort of swinging his camera around like yeah, a, yeah. like he's looking for prostitution. <laughs> and the giggler takes the bait. He grabs it, and then silly giggler, silly old giggler. And then Bronson pulls out Wildy, and blows a hole yeah. in him. And everyone cheers. People are delighted. You get this triumphant music like he's just won a disabled race. <laughs> oh, my Lord. It's the creep that stole my pocketbook three weeks ago. All right, all right. <laughs> like he's a child in a wheelchair and everyone comes out and goes yay it's like you've just killed yeah. murdered a man yeah which is you know the way tr when Trump would have people rem I, I'm not I, really I'm over laboring the Trump comparisons no but I think but it's the damaged. way when Trump would have people removed from his rallies if they were protesting and people mm. were going yeah beat the shit out of him yeah so and so they've killed the giggler and, and uh, Neil Kinnock's annoyed he does because one of his gang says they killed the giggler man <laughs> they killed the fucking giggler <laughs> just in case you missed what just happened. Yeah. And um killed the giggler man. I'm, yeah, I'm waiting on a call back for Macbeth. <laughs> I, I tell you what, what Kinnock should do is he should say, right, that's it, I'm going to phone him again. <laughs> yeah. I, this won't stand. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's not answering. Fine. Yeah. Hi, hi, Jeff. Um, you killed the giggler. <laughs> when I get back from the party conference, you are dead. <laughs> Oh, he's going to bang. I saw you fall over from the beach, you twat. <laughs> I've, got, I've got enough of bloody problems with Derek Hatton. I don't need this right now. <laughs> um, but he goes round to dinner. Jeff goes to dinner with Miss Davies, and she says, I made chicken because it's the only thing I know how to make. <laughs> <laughs> what about toast? Yeah, and it feels like there's so many things. The cotton eating cognac. It, it feels like she's visiting him in an old folks' home. Like yeah. Your brain takes a while to sort of go, oh, they're going to bang. Yeah. Because... It looks like a father and daughter relationship. Yes. I mean, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Maybe and she's into that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, it could be. And, uh, and she then gives she gives a speech like, damn it, people have got to start to fight back. Out of nowhere yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. She says something like, I'm so sick of this city. All right. And then he said, she wants to know more about him. He says he likes opera. And then later on admits he doesn't. It's just a joke. The old... <laughs> The old opera switcher. Oh, it gets them every time. I tell you, the <laughs> ladies love that. That's how you know they're DTF. <laughs> I don't mean they sell sofas. Uh, but and he, then they kiss. I think they have a little kiss. Um, and she says, oh, let me... This is the best bit where she says, uh, so are you married? And he goes, oh, no, my wife died. And she's like, oh, let me guess. You're afraid to get close to someone again after your wife died? <laughs> and he goes, yeah, something like that. <laughs> So, yeah. Uh, do, they, do they bang at this point? No, I think they bang later. Yeah, he says, I've got to go. Yeah, he's a gentleman. He is a gentleman. And when he gets home, this is when you have this really pointless filler scene, because he goes home, and he keeps Wildy in a little TV cupboard. Yeah, yeah. It's not locked or anything. <laughs> so anyone, And we know this is an area where people can just walk into your house. Yeah, yeah. So that seems a bit silly. And he goes on patrol, and then Kinnock spring ambushes him with yeah. a machine gun. And he drops wildly. Yeah, and he he fall he, like he falls in the least convincing way I have ever seen. Like the fall where he drops wildly. Yeah, it's I've seen like you know those videos where someone pretends to trip in a supermarket and tries to sue them for the insurance. <laughs> they they are more convincing than the fall he does. Yeah, 
Yeah, but he he gets chased by loads of um, the the the, the gang, yeah. and it's odd because these it's like trying to write notes on these chases. They are so nothing. Yes, There's, they are. They all and there's so many of them. They just it's, it's just they run up and down some alleys. They do. It and looks then, like the same alley shot. Yeah, yeah. Well. And then um, and he looks like he can run ten yards at a time. So mm. there's a real danger that he's going to have a pulmonary embolism at any point. And then, what I liked about this most, actually, is when he's, he's running away from them, he runs up this fire escape and he runs through the window. It looks like Frank Spencer's apartment. Yes, it does. There's this man in a beret sat in bed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's like a Cuba flag. He's got a Che Guevara yeah. poster. And I wanted to, when the second lot came in through South, I wanted him to go, <laughs> that'd have been amazing. But he didn't. Um, but one of them is Frost from Aliens. Yes. Another British, uh, American actor living in Britain. Right, yeah. Um, and he follows uh, Deathwish up to the roof, and he throws him off. <laughs> he throws him off, and it's the most obvious dummy. Really bad. It's they, they must have been so happy though, because it, all the way down it looks like a dummy, but it lands looking like a person. Yeah, yeah. So they must have been like, oh, yeah, brilliant! I don't have that. to reshoot yeah, yeah. that because he kind of lands sitting down with his <laughs> with his arm on his chin. Like he's contemplating something. Instead of just flopping like a dummy. Yeah, yeah. So he must have been like brilliant. Yeah. I bet that was his first well, take yeah. as well. We're making a great film here, guys. <laughs> and well, then Bronson gets the gun back. Yeah, he just picks up Wilder yeah. and goes home. And then we cut. We see the dead body in the car. Yeah. And the cops are gathered around it. And it look. It really looks like the cops are about to go, I bet he drinks Carl in Black Label. But then... Um, uh, Kinnock phones Emil, who we, a guy in the building we met earlier, yeah. and tells him, uh, "Your wife, there's something wrong with your wife." Yeah, your wife's sick, and um, they've, they've slit her throat. She slit her throat. So vote Labour, okay? Because <laughs> <laughs> of course she'd have probably voted Tory at this point, <laughs> mid eighties. Yes. Yeah, and so Emil, and, and we cut to that, and straight after that, it's obviously horrific. Mm. And then we see Martin Balsam, yeah. who is more angry that they've broken his windows. Like <laughs> we, we ju- we've just seen this horrific murder yeah. of an old lady, and yet it's it's I've got to get onto bloody auto glass now. But he says, "Oh well, you know, there's, there's times like this. I want to use the thing Charlie gave me." Yeah, and he goes to his cupboard and there's uh, an extensive collection of pornography. <laughs> yeah. No, it's uh, two machine guns. Yes, he's only, I mean, he could have mentioned it earlier. He said he brought them back from the said, war. Whereas, you know, Bronson's had to rely on mail-order guns. Yeah, well, there's a lot of this. Uh, and then Bronson says, does, does the ammo work? And he goes, oh, you bet your ass. <laughs> so then Bronson decides to get, go back to Davis's house. He gets in the car that we'd seen being fucked up by those two miscreants earlier. That's right, yeah. I but guess that's the, the car, one car. The car's they had. fine. That's the one American car they had. Yeah, yeah. Because in the documentary I watched about this, I say documentary. It was like the film they did behind the scenes right. at the time. The production designers were saying how they, there were certain things they had to bring in, especially from America. So I'm guessing this car is one of them. Right. Yeah. So they couldn't let it get damaged. Yeah, and, and it's, it's difficult it. in the 80s. These days, you just go on Facebook, Hive Mind. Can mm. anyone get me a, a Cadillac? Go. Mm. Does that work? I, I've never seen it. I think I. I I don't know if it works because my level of inbuilt shame, I would never finish a Facebook status with go. I'd do that for a copy of the film Animal Farm <laughs> because it's a film that was in heavy rotation uh, apparently when I was young by, at school. People would yeah, talk yeah, about yeah. it. But the, when you asked anybody had they seen it, they'd always say, well, no, I haven't seen it, but I've heard about it. Yeah. To the point where I was convinced it didn't exist. And then Channel uh, 4 did a documentary about it saying it did actually exist. Right. <laughs> 
So I'd say, Hive Mind, Facebook, get me a copy of Animal Farm. Go. <laughs> and then whoever brought it to me, I would call the police on them. Have you ever seen Animal Farm? I've never. It was, there were certain things, it was like, it was, it, I, I, I think of it as in the same era as when people would misreport the characters from Pugwash. Yeah, oh yeah, the Roger, that the Cabin Boy. It was the same thing. Yeah. That those, that, that, yeah, there'd be some guy, oh yeah, oh, no, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely Seaman Stains. Mm. And then, yeah, or if you went, well, and, and to the point where if you went, well, it actually isn't. No, it's fucked a child. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Bronson goes to Davis's house and um, she's just, she's now decided she's leaving the city. Yeah. Which is odd after a first date. Exactly. Basically, I, I think he was just really bad at kissing. Yeah. <laughs> Um, she says she's going to leave the city. She's going to go. I've realised that kiss has it's opened up some of my granddad issues that I've been struggling with for a while. I'm going to go and see my granddad. <laughs> uh, but they they have sex. They do. And Quite sensual sex as yeah. well, I imagine. And then, uh, I mean, I imagine she does most of the work. I'd imagine. I want to see their sex scene with him just kind of going, uh, uh, like in the film *McGruber*. <laughs> well, this is where they miss some product placement opportunities. I'm sure we'll. Wildy could have. Turns out it's got another attachment. Attachment, yeah, yeah. Oh. And but this is you can tell that they're in it because he explains the murder of his wife. He does, and, he, and and his daughter. He also opens up about the fact that his daughter's dead as well. He doesn't say that he said she was murdered, didn't he? Doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. But he doesn't mention any raping stuff. No, no. Doesn't want to. You don't want to. You don't want to. You know, spoil the atmos. It's not a pillow talk, is it? Talk about rape, <laughs> really. Um, but yeah, so he, he trusts her and he opens up to her. And you know what, Steve? I think this relationship's got a chance. It has. Because he's finally opened up to someone. Yeah. It, is, yeah, it isn't like his penis has got a reverse Midas touch. No, not at all. No, he hasn't filled her with deadly seed. It'll <laughs> lead to her death. Um, so he says, look, I just have to go and pick up some stuff from my P.O. box. Yeah, which is, uh, whenever I've had sex, that's the first thing <laughs> on my mind. Well, you've, you've emptied your sack. <laughs> Time to fill it again. Um, so he goes to the P.O. box. Uh, meanwhile, he's being followed by uh, Fraker, by Neil yeah. Kinnock and, and, um, <laughs> and Roy Hattersley. <laughs> and they, while he's in the, getting his P.O. box, they punch her in the face and oh. let the parking brake go. Yeah. And the car goes down the hill and then explodes. It's, it's heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. He's just, he's just fallen in love again. I mean, at least, it, at least he got his jollies in before. That's right. I that mean, was... better than after. <laughs> Imagine if he'd have gone through, let me through, I'm a doctor, and then started having sex with her. That'd be awful. <laughs> Niche, though. And, but I don't put it beyond Michael Winner. Like, I can imagine they go, we need to lose the male rape and the post-car crash. So, we'll save it for crash in the yeah. 90s. Yeah, he was probably... You know, Michael Winner at one point was working on a Captain America movie. Really? Really. Nora. Yeah, imagine how bad that would have been. Yeah. I mean, this was when they made that terrible one in the early 90s. Right. So, so it was originally going to be him. I mean, it would be a controversial thing if in the middle of this run, they suddenly brought him, if he wasn't dead, if, if they didn't have him as success, and they go, well, yeah, Endgame is being directed by Mark <laughs> And uh, Jeff Deathwish was frozen in the Antarctic <laughs> and thought out to be a hero out of his own time. <laughs> He'd be like going, Where, where's the... Polaroid cameras are still here. Where's the vinyl? Everyone still uses vinyl. Oh, okay. Anyway, so obviously he's very upset about this, and the police take him into protect protective custody. Yeah, again, just a phrase. Mm. Just like, yeah, let's just say protective custody. Yeah. He effectively arrested him. Meanwhile, Martin Balsam... His shop's on fire. His taxi shop is on fire. And then his flat gets attacked. Yeah. 
So he goes to the he, get, he goes to get the stash of guns. That's right. But he uses the wrong one. It doesn't work. Yeah. Or he can't make it work anyway. Yeah. And then he has this uh, peculiar medical condition that when he's grabbed on the fire escape, he turns into a young stuntman <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and gets thrown off of the side. I've heard that can happen. It is. He suddenly in moments uh, of extreme it's the, stress. It's the adrenaline. <laughs> he suddenly loses at least eight stone. <laughs> But he's still got the white hair, so it's definitely him. <laughs> uh, but he gets thrown off of the fire escape. And it really, like, by this point, the extras, it, like the mob scenes, it begins to resemble a sort of 1980s Doctor Who. Wait, where, where just, just the car, where it's, it, you know, it's, it's someone's idea of dystopia. Yes, but also at times it slightly resembles Hill's Angels. <laughs> so you just get this gang of young dancers jumping around. Yeah. You expect him to come out and do a song about rape. Yeah, he's every now and then someone's go fuck you man to Benny Hill <laughs> Benny Hill wouldn't be out of place in this he'd be great because uh, he was doing rap at this point he was really pushing the envelope <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah Benny has to go to hospital so Bronson visits him in hospital and um, he tells him you know that one of the guns is still there yeah yeah blow the scum away he says so he escapes and when the Ed Lauder comes in to see where he is he goes oh he had something he had to go and take care of yeah. Ed Lauder's not happy. No, he's lost him. So we see him get him some parcels. Some more parcels, which he kept quiet about. <laughs> he must have been a buy one, get one free situation <laughs> with Wildy. Um, but amazing. I mean, spoiler alert, he buys a bazooka via the it's post. Nice that he's do- we don't see the mail order. I like to think that he's doing like one of those turn-based role-playing games. <laughs> that he's- oh, wouldn't that be good? That'd be a great scene. Yeah, he's getting some Britannia CDs that he keeps forgetting <laughs> to cancel the subscription for. One of those decorative plates, <laughs> the marriage of Ferguson and. Uh... Yeah. Anyway, um, so he yeah he buys a bazooka by post. Yeah. Do you think you can do that in America in the eighties? I I like to think you can. I like to think you can still do it. I reckon you can in America. Um, so Maria's husband comes round to uh, to Bronson's flat and helps him assemble this machine gun. Yeah. And then he says to Bronson, "This is my favourite bit of hinting in the whole film." He says, uh, I've only got a zip gun. And Bronson yeah. just completely ignores that. It's like he's always saying, could you give me a gun, please? Because yeah, yeah, I've yeah, only yeah. got a zip gun. But he completely ignores it. <laughs> he's like, OK, I'll just use my zip gun. Yeah, and meanwhile, he's got like a machine gun and a missile launcher. And, and really another gun, another pistol, <laughs> which he could have easily given <laughs> yeah. him. What a fucking arsehole. Uh, but Freaker is, is here, he's seeing that, um, he hears that Bronson's back. Yeah, so we're heading towards a showdown. We are, because he literally f- uses his phone again and phones the Lib Dems. <laughs> or uh, would it be the uh, Socialist Democrats? Yeah, the SDP. The SDP. He David calls Owen. Owen and Frost and Cyril Smith. <laughs> Shirley Williams is on the way. <laughs> <laughs> to come in and help him out. And they do. They duly all come in on their motorbikes. And this is, by this, this is the point in the film where you know... You know the, it's the, the thing of watching something on streaming where you'll see how long it is to go. Yeah. So it's psychologically, yes. it affects. And so you... By this point, we're, we're 20 minutes, 15 minutes left. I'm really That's out. Right. This is, I've hit, you know, we, the, the London Marathon was yesterday. Yeah. And we're near the end. Yeah. Can near hear the, the, hoping that the cheering of the crowd is going to see us over the line. Just about. Um, but anyway, so to cut a long story short, uh, Bronson wanders around the neighbourhood machine gunning people. Yeah. And it's it, it's incredibly boring. Like, the mm. whole, it's, it's amazing, like, you know... Um, there's a, there's no there's no humour in it. So the, there is a one where the the Jewish old couple 
She says, Eli, it's Mr. Kersey. He just shot some of the creeps. <laughs> and then they and watch it on telly. Yeah. Because the news is showing it from a helicopter. <laughs> yeah. oh, and he dear. takes out a car. Yeah. There's a man on fire, a few men. It's just stunt. Just a stunt ex- extravaganza. People falling off roofs. They really throw themselves back when they, you know, when they're shot. And it's Michael, a bit more tit. Michael Winner's girlfriend at the time, that is. Oh, is it? Uh, a lady called Sandy Grizzle. <laughs> who later on said that he would whip her. And, oh, is that the one I... Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. That yeah. was her, the one who... The topless lady. I'll give you a part in the film. Oh, is it a talking part? No. <laughs> you get your breasts out. Okay. At and, least uh, she wasn't the dog in Bullseye. That would have been terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and then... And meanwhile, Bronson is looking older with every shot. Yeah. I don't think he enjoyed... As I, going back to what I was saying earlier, I don't think he enjoyed the scenes where he had to wander around just machine gunning people. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that was his cup of tea. It kind of looks like he's not enjoying himself. Yeah. Which is odd for a million and a half dollars, for 15% of the budget. Yeah. You just go... I'd happily kill people. I'd yeah. really kill people for a million dollars. Yeah, like, it, do some acting. Yeah. <laughs> paying, you, paying you a million and a half dollars to act. But at one point, um, the chief turns up yeah. and joins in shooting people. And then Bronson says he's got, he's got to go back and get some ammo for Wildy. Yeah. He goes back to his apartment. And we've seen Alex Winter get shot. Ed Lauter shoots Alex oh, Winter. Oh, yeah, yeah. He goes back to his apartment and um, Fraker bursts in. And just as then, Ed Lauter bursts in as well. Yeah. And they shoot each other. And then Bronson shoots uh, Neil Kinnock about 60 times. Yeah. And then he stands up and says, Bulletproof vest, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, oh because Bronson sat down because he's going to call an ambulance yeah. for Ed Lauter and then he remembers that he's got a bazooka <laughs> just by the phone he's obsessed with keeping things by tables yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he pulls it out and uh, shoots a rocket at Frank, uh, Neil Kinnock and blows him up and that's the only like, that's all they had for this for the fight for the 15 minutes was like we know and it was obvious the way they've dangled it yeah. when you first see it he's going to do it with a rocket launcher mm. and, and it's, uh, a, it's a bit like the end of The Phantom Menace because once uh Kinnock explodes the rest of them just put down their weapons and just walk off yeah it really like is they've been deactivated like, yeah it's like oh I really enjoyed the fact that once the dust settles uh, you cut back to Bronson and uh, Ed Lauter in the apartment and there's literally no damage whatsoever yeah. if you'd have fired a rocket in this room you and I would have got hurt and there'd be stuff everywhere but no it's just a perfect hole in the wall yeah maybe that's why Charlie's flat was so immaculate it's just Maybe he bomb-proofed it. <laughs> he was in the army. But it, it, it really is just, you get to the end and you're just like, it's 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 a, it's a fascinatingly bad film. Yes. Oh, and then Ed Lauter just says, you better go. Yeah, yeah. And then it cuts to Bronson with suitcases just walking up the street. <laughs> and then it, ends, it just says the end. Yeah. And then that really bad music comes on yeah. again. It's really bad, isn't it? It is. It's... it's like it's quite a, like I've never I'm trying to think if I've ever walked out of a film in the cinema hmm. like the nearest I ever came to it was very, very bad things oh I've late, seen that. late 90s I, hate, I hated that so much that that but I felt like I had to punish myself to, by watching the whole thing yeah but it's it, this is the fascinating thing that watching the, these things that held as a kid I thought these were like the height of naughtiness and like oh my goodness you know the frisson of of uh, mischief and forbidden fruit, and yeah. then you see it, and it's just bollocks. Yes. That and, and then watching Chinatown or, or watching films from much earlier, 
which which are way more scary or way more memorable for certain scenes of violence. Hmm. Did you see the remake? Oh, not of Death Wish Three of the first film. Uh, no, I've not, so the the Bruce Willis one. I, I've not. No, you, I don't. I don't yeah. think I'm going to watch it because it got such bad reviews. Yeah, it did. That, uh, and it came around at such a bad time. Yeah, yeah. It was not long after Charlottesville, I think. Yes. Which is the worst kind of pornography you could release. Yeah, at that exactly. Point. Yeah. Anyway, we've reached the point of the podcast where I'm going to ask you some quick fire questions. So here we go. Number one, who is the best in your opinion, Arnie or Sly? Um, I'm going to say Arnie, I think, because he's. It's interesting because Syl- Sylvester Stallone has. I don't know how long these answers are meant to be, but Sylvester Stallone has done some brilliant stuff like like Rocky and First Blood. They're mm. fucking brilliant. Dem- yes. Demolition Man, I think, is a really good film. Yeah. But it's like Arnie is kind of. There are certain. The 80s gives us archetypes, and Arnie becomes the archetype. Mm. So I think. I think. I think he is the better action film a- action actor. But oddly, St- Stallone is kind of more interesting in other ways. Yeah. No, absolutely. And, uh, but it's also interesting that there's the similarity. So, so Sylvester Stallone is the work the shaft, cup the balls. Uh, and uh, whereas Arnie is eating is not cheating, if you know that, um, if you know that, that story about him. <laughs> well, yes, I do. So Yeah. Cup the also, ball. you got the fact that St- Stallone is an actor who fell into action. Whereas Schwarzenegger is basically an action actor. Yeah, yeah. Because Stallone is capable of doing proper acting as well. When yeah, he yeah. Feels okay. like it. Yeah, and like the Rocky one, yeah. one best screenplay. Yeah, yeah. And best director, I want to say, might not be right, best yeah. film anyway. Whereas, like, I'd, I'd never seen in prep. I'd never seen Commando was one I'd never seen. Hmm. And so again, the frisson of like, I thought I'm going to see that. I'd seen certain bits from it. I'd never watched it, and I hadn't realised quite how homoerotic that is. Oh yeah, yeah, with Benny that, that he was ju- that he really was just he was a bodybuilder. Yeah, who you know who was used for for how he looked. Whereas yeah, Stallone's got chops. Yeah, uh, what's the best action movie of all time? You were debating about this. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it, because I'm presuming there are certain films in this as this podcast progresses. You're going to hear the same. You're going to hear lots of people say Die Hard. Yes. And it's almost it's interesting now that there are because Die Hard sort of shapes the way we all think about these films now because it's the right it, it's genuine you know it probably is the best mm. um, but it's also it's funny in the right ways so so you know oh, uh, asshole I'm not the one who just got butt fucked on national TV Dwayne mm. and like oh we're going to need a few more FBI guys mm. like there's so many funny bits and it, it's the you know it's it's done properly yeah but then there are certain other films that I I think that my favourite action film is the Taken in Pelham one two three mm. I I think that is absolutely brilliant it's and a great show the genuine peril and and, and where where one or two this is similar to both. Pelham and Die Hard is one or two deaths are significant. So when Takagi gets shot, when Ellis gets shot mm. in, in Die Hard, it matters. It's why Die Hard 2 is such, I, I hate so much, because taking out a plane mm. it feels just incredibly crap. That's a really weak word to use. <laughs> um, so the taking of Pelham 1, 2, 3 comes in. And interestingly, both Pelham and Die Hard are based on novels. That's right. Um, that are, and both novels are much bleaker. Oh really? Um, and in both both films, the heroes in both the novels are much older men, who were who were sort of made younger for the film. So it could be that I've got I've got a, can I, I've got a list of mm. possibles here. I, there's a there's a sort of 
philosophical debate about what what do you call an action film? Like, so can you call the thing an action film, or is it a sci-fi film? I'd say it's a sci-fi yeah, this horror is, film. Yeah, so but there's enough action in it that I was. Yeah, uh, me and my brother. My brother works in. Uh, You've met my brother. I've met fact. your yes, brother, uh, yeah. And so we, we were having quite a long debate. Cause, like, could you consider The Empire Strikes Back an, actu- an action film? Probably not. But I've seen some polls have listed it in mm. their top 100. Um, uh, Fury Road, I think, as a shout to be Yo, up there. Mad yeah. Max 2 yeah, got a shout yeah, to be up definitely. there. Um, I'd never seen Sorcerer. Uh, uh, Sorcerer and The Wages of Fear, I think, are yeah. both absolutely incredible. They're, I don't. I, th- I think Die Hard defines... It, it probably is Die Hard, but Sorcerer I think, was utterly I think blown away. By what Sorcerer. Die Hard does, I think, is it, it strips away the conventions of action that you you had to have a giant muscle bound bodybuilder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Die Hard comes along and it's just a schlub that saves yeah, the day. Yeah, yeah. And from then on, it could be anybody. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I like Walter Matthau in yeah. in Pelham. Yeah. But I'd also so the other ones I've written because otherwise we'll be here all day. Uh-huh. Nice guys, kiss, kiss, bang, bang. No good. Yeah. Um, uh, Running Scared, which was one of the, I'd originally wondered if we were talking, if I was going to suggest, and then I thought again, it's a film I like too much. Yeah, but that's a terrific film. Two Minute Warning, when I was a kid, scared the shit out of me. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but watching it again, it's not. But it, I remember that I got utterly freaked out by that. The uh, The Raid uh, oh, is yeah. really good. Yeah. There's a couple of Mel. The is it John Pierre Melville? I can remember his first names. Where. The influence he has is incredible, but they look so dated. So, so he does Le Samurai, and there's one called Unflick, uh, and uh, it's got Richard Krenner in it, um, mm. and it's brilliant. But there's a scene in which someone has to um, uh, get on a moving train from a helicopter, and it, it's a model helicopter. <laughs> so, so, it, so it's it's great and it's really influential. But you look at it, and the dis, you know there's the, the disbelief cannot be suspended because it's obviously a cheap model yeah um but probably adventures in babysitting very well that's a great choice because it's got its own song yeah but taking a pelham one two three is like that's my favorite yeah acknowledging that you know aliens or die hard are probably uh, difficult to get beyond it's a solid trio though uh terrorists have taken over a skyscraper you can take three celebrities with you to stop them who are you taking up the shard and why Um, this this is quite similar to a question. I once had a, a thing printed in the NME uh, in uh, the end of year poll in 1999. Mm. Was uh, which three celebrities do you send to meet the Blair Witch? And I got I got it printed in the NME. I said I said Apex Twin on his own. The witch would fucking shit itself. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly because so it's in a skyscraper. So you need people who are not afraid of heights. Yeah. So people for whom people who've got a proven bravery with heights so john noakes mm. uh, eddie the eagle edwards and icarus right uh, or if you need them to be handy in a skyscraper alan sugar karen brady and nick hewer yes um <laughs> if you can you can go back in time and stop someone being born who is it much like desert island discs i'm giving you hitler a- um actually michael winner based yeah no that's yeah. It. that's absolutely who it is michael winner perfect based on the, this film <coughs> A hypothetical fistfight takes place between Rocky Balboa and John Matrix from Commando. Who wins? I, I didn't know until it, I, when I'd initially seen this question as John Matrix. Yeah, I've and, had so to... I, and I, so I, I thought because I, I'd not seen Commando, I thought that was Keanu Reeves. Yeah, I've had that, I've had this a lot, which is why I've had to add yeah, that yeah. Um, suffix. I um, it's interesting because again, John Matrix, he's got the same hair as Donald Fisher from Home and Away. He does, and. Uh, 
uh, and I think if he's gone commando, he's not wearing any pants. So, so I think he could be beaten because I think Balboa is a proper street fighter, mm. whereas uh, Matrix, you know, is too worried about his daughter and Donald Fisher. <laughs> Don, oh, Don, yeah, Donald Fisher, savage. He's too worried about Bobby. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't he adopt her in the end? I think so. But was it? Wasn't it? Wasn't she his actual dad? Didn't it turn out that that wasn't was... she his dad? He sorry, <laughs> other way around. I don't mean the hell of a I twist. <laughs> I don't remember. Right, please write in and let us know if you can remember Home and Away from the late eighties. Yeah. Well, obviously, Ailsa was the one because she was an actual killer. She she was so, an actual but... killer, and she was a ghost. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that. Yeah, that special effect in that episode of Home and Away was more scary than anything in Death Wish Three. That's true. Uh, if you could make your own 80s action movie, uh, what would it be about and who would be the lead? Um, I might do a film in which a man gains vengeance on anyone who forced him to watch Death Wish 3. <laughs> and it would star me. Mm. Um, I, I, used to, I remember before I talked about this with, with my old colleague, Greg Davis, we'd had an idea pre-7-7. So this would not, this would now, this would never be a, a thing now mm. that, a heist on the London Underground. So basically, taking the obsession with Pelham One Two Three, um, the, the the way they get caught in in Pelham One Two Three is in the film. It's a fairly obvious way they give themselves away. It's presented as Mathau having a a brainwave, but they stop at a point where it's obvious that they're going to get off the thing. Hmm. Um, whereas this is almost combining our previous chat about Deathline. That if it was a heist on the London Underground that involved them escaping via a disused tube station. Uh, that no one knew about, but then the hero would be like someone who knew about, would be an older man who knew about. Uh, so a high, yeah, basically Pelham One Two Three on the London Underground, uh, or um, I like that's why I love Hot Fuzz for that thing of like, you know, doing British, you know, doing American style action in Britain. Mm. I love that thing. So uh, some sort of like someone is threatening to blow up the Thames flood barrier. <laughs> Uh, so who's going to be the hero, Jeffrey Palmer? So, uh, yeah, well, that was, I was trying to think of like an, as someone of that age. Yeah. He's a good chap. I, was, I had Jim Carter. Oh, uh, I, I as, prefer Jim Carter. Yeah. He's got that lovely voice. Yes, or, or like Michael Palin. But those, oh. you know, of like, but someone like basically going like the novels of Die Hard and Pelham of have you know if you have an older hero. Yeah, I had like Felix Palin. Dexter. I don't. God, God rest oh. his soul. I, I thought he would be really good as well. He would be. Shame he's um, not alive anymore. He was great. It's the only reason these films won't get made. It is. is. It is. But yeah, but Jim Jim Carter, I thought would be like, you know, as like a London Underground employee. You. And what what would you call it? I, I didn't have it. This is the. Uh, I was really struggling. Like the Floodberry one, flood. Mm. Could just yeah. call it tube. Yeah. Well, it's because if it's like the Taken of Pelham One Two Three, so Cockfosters. Taking yeah. the taking of cockfosters. Taking of cockfosters is good. Should we go with that? Yeah. Jim Carter in the taking of cockfosters. <laughs> Great. Well, Steve. Or see, like, actually, see it, say it, sorted. <laughs> that's too modern a reference. Are we? Are we basing? Oh yeah, yeah. Day? That's the thing. It should be the eighties. So yeah. it should just be fucking hell. This is disgusting. <laughs> what, was, what was it? Managed decline. That would that would be the film. Managed decline. Yeah. All right. Well, Steve, but, thank uh, you so much for coming. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I made you watch Death Wish Three. It's, it's okay. It's um, I feel, I feel a stronger person for the experience. And you look it. <laughs> Thanks. Bye bye.
welcome to the musical podcast. I'm Kiri. And I'm Jade. And I'm Dave. Dave's on keys. But we don't play that too much because otherwise we'll have to pay some people rights money. Yeah. Uh, we do a live show where comedians come and sing their favourite musical theatre songs in front of a live audience. This podcast is us bringing that person inside of a building. <laughs> Welcome to Just a Minute with Jade Adams. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.